it's 11.11. Say a wish. Is that the... Welcome to the Bloody Bazaar podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Emma. And this is a podcast where we talk about... Um, Stuff. And we're related. Yep. We are related. We are sisters. We have the same mother and father. Thanks for listening. All those that are listening, um, I have been noticing you. you. You Americans, I see you. Is there more Americans listening? No, it's just... Well, I don't know. The same ones. Yeah, it's just the same ones that I always talk about. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I see. And, the, and that person in Brisbane, I don't want to assume the gender, but hey, girl. They're still listening? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good sign because I feel like if... It, if we were hell shit then people would like listen once and then never come back well people have done that <laughs> lots of people no i don't know not not lots of i don't know who knows well for for the people that are listening and liking it please rate review and subscribe so more people can get more people listening than might be able to get like better equipment that would be nice yeah what else did is there anything you want you want to tell the people at the top uh oh yes um <laughs> <laughs> Can you angle your mic slightly upwards as well? No, just just that mic itself. Yeah. Yep. Thanks. Um, give us a follow on the Instagram if you're listening and you haven't done that yet. Yep. Always plugging that gram. Always obsessed about the Instagram. Probably worth uh, telling people that you're really hungover. Oh yeah, that's yeah. If if it's not clear, I am incredibly hungover. Um, but I'm still recording for you people. That's how dedicated I am. I had a story to tell you, a glitch in the matrix story. Okay. So. For those who don't know, a couple of episodes ago, I did Glitches in the Matrix. Go have a listen to that one if you haven't. Um, so I heard a good one the other day because now my algorithm is just messed up. And so I, I keep getting heaps of... Are you talking about your TikTok algorithm or what? Like all sorts. Oh, okay. <laughs> but this was on TikTok. Okay, yeah. Every time I like research a new thing, I start getting heaps of stuff pop up about it. But Glitches is the ones that the one that's hanging around. <laughs> they think I'm obsessed with it. Well, are they wrong? Yeah. yeah. This girl was in a nail salon. Yeah. And you know how in the nail salon, like... I've never been in a nail salon. Okay. Well, primarily they're like Vietnamese, oh, right. um, Southeast Asian women. Okay. Yeah. Um, and all of the, like, all of the ones I've been in, they, they all talk to each other in Vietnamese or whatever. Yeah. So one of the, um, one of the ladies said something to the other lady, like, can you get me the, the black? I think she wants black on her nails or something like that. That's not actually what it was, but it was something like that. Said it in Vietnamese. And then the girl was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have black on my nails. And they were all freaking out because they were like, how do you know Vietnamese? And she, this girl was like, in my head, they were saying it in English. Hmm. Interesting. Hey interesting yep yeah anyway that's <laughs> that'd be a really cool superpower to be able to understand all languages mm-hmm. yeah um yeah no i don't have anything else to say apart from um getting towards the end of the season oh yeah yeah gonna take a break after episode 20 yeah on christmas yep the christmas episode will be the last episode for the year for season one then we're taking a break and we'll be back in feb of next year it's on the spreadsheet if you would take a second to look at the spreadsheet that I lovingly created. Time is money. That's so rude. Um, what are you talking about today? Today, I'm going to tell you about the DeGrucci family murders. Right. Yep. It is crazy. All right, so I'm just going to jump in. Yeah. Okay, so episode 19, the DeGrucci family murders. Should have said that at the start, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, my sources are... So this might be the first episode where Wikipedia is not a source. <gasps> What? Yeah. You didn't use Wikipedia? I did not use Wikipedia. Wow. I know. 
Okay. So my sources are thecanberatimes.com, an article by Siondi Mardon. Um, Forensic Investigators, Season 1, Episode 5, heavily used that. Uh, and a rollingstone.com article by Poppy Reed. I think I've used an article of hers before. I think she must do, like, a lot of um, true crime reporting. All right. So let's get started. So it's March 1996. Uh, we're in Albion Park Rail in New South Wales. So this is an Australian crime. Um, in this town lives the De Gucci family. The De Gucci's are made up of mother and father, Jennifer and Wayne, 18-year-old Matthew, his brother, 15-year-old Adrian, and the youngest child, 13-year-old Sarah. Okay, so just a normal family, right? Three kids, two parents, as is often the case. It's about 9am on Tuesday, March 12th. The across-the-street neighbour from the De Gucci's, Steve Bailey, He's out the front of his house talking to his father-in-law and he sees Matthew come out of the house distressed. Matthew, he's distraught. He's, he's saying something's wrong with, um, with mum and Sarah. Something's wrong with them. Sarah was epileptic, so Steve assumed that perhaps Jennifer was having trouble administering her medication. Mm-hmm. So he comes across the street to help, right? I guess this is a neighbourhood where neighbours help each other out. And I guess they have a relationship of some sort. Are you saying that if your neighbour was out the front, like, dressed, that you'd be like, well, it all sucks to be you and go back inside? Nah. Yeah, you would help. Of course you would help. Yeah. Like, if you see anyone distressed, you're going to be like, um... Yeah, right. All right. So neighbour Steve goes into the house, right? First calls out to Jennifer, Jenny, Jenny. No response. He sees Jenny's door slightly ajar. Um, so he walks into the master bedroom. It's dark, but he can see that she's still in bed. Um, he walks over to the bedside, still calling her name, Jenny. He's expecting that she's just going to pop up and scare him. So he pulls the covers back to reveal Jennifer has been severely bludgeoned and she's now obviously deceased. He stumbles back out of the house and he calls across to his father-in-law. I've been like, call an ambulance, call the police. Yeah. All right. So that's our scene. Okay. Mm. So the police and the paramedics arrive shortly. This is a quiet, safe suburb. So what they find sickened even the most seasoned officers. Paramedics first tend to Matthew, who's almost inconsolable. He's totally distraught. He's crying. He's shaking. He's asking, like, what's happened? Who could have done this? So he um, he says he arrived home about nine that morning after he spent the night at his girlfriend's house. So the paramedics take him to hospital. He's gone. The police begin to make their way through the house. They find Jennifer the mother. As we know, she's deceased in her bed. She's been bludgeoned heavily around the head, so severely, in fact, that um, her identity had to be confirmed through DNA. They couldn't even, like, do, like, a facial identity. Uh, Squeamish people skip forward 15 seconds. So her injuries were so severe that her brain had almost been forced out of her head. The police notice a distinct lack of blood spatter given the like um, obvious brutality of the crime. There was a, a lack of blood spatter, they noticed. Um, Does that mean that it's maybe... What they believe is that the killer or killers placed something over Jennifer's head prior to beating her up, like, like prior oh. to attacking, you know, like they, they dampened it. There was very minimal blood spray around the head of the bed. So there was like little little dots of blood, but they the police thought it was like its shape and its placement were inconsistent with what they would usually see odd and 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 possible possible that maybe there was a cleanup attempt something like that yeah i mean maybe if they say this killer didn't want they've put a plastic bag over her head mm-hmm. then done it yeah jennifer's glasses were placed neatly on the nightstand next to her suggesting that she'd taken them off and was perhaps asleep or or going to sleep at the time of the attack all right so that's jennifer i feel a little bit sick <laughs> it's partly your hangover i think it's partly the hangover because 
this stuff doesn't usually make me feel sick, but I do feel a little bit queasy. Mm. So next, the police moved down the hall, all right, to 13-year-old Sarah's room. Much the same as her mother, Sarah has been severely bludgeoned to death. The police noticed the same lack of extensive blood spatter. Um, again, this is inconsistent given the trauma inflicted on her. They also say that there's a Walkman on the ground and the police posit that perhaps Sarah was listening to music at the time of her mother's uh, killing, allowing the perpetrator to be unheard and then, you know, make their way into Sarah's room. There's an out-of-place pillow nearby with blood and matter on it and the police believe that this was maybe used to cover Sarah's head during the attack, uh, much like her mother. Um, it was, you know, she was maybe had something over her head um during the attack okay so that's sarah does it make you feel anything that she has the same name as you not because she has the same i mean i feel very oh okay just in just general. as a human just as a human yeah. sure okay you don't feel any particular kin to her there are so many sarahs yeah there like, are yeah common name. <laughs> we've had another sarah in a story i'm yeah, sure yeah so many yeah um, the, um sarah good in the villisca ask axe murders oh yeah sarah yeah and and the witches sarah good yeah she had it really bad yeah yeah <laughs> Um, okay. So the police move through the rest of the house. Okay. They find no one else inside. So where's the brother? Adrian, I think his name was mm-hmm. 15 year old. They go out to the garage. Uh, where's the dad? Garage. Well. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I'll get to that. He's, he's away on business in Sydney. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you should have started. With yeah. That. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do get to it. Um, <laughs> the police move through the rest of the house, finding no one else. They go into the garage, uh, or garage depending on where you're from. Car hole. Car hole. They find the deceased body of 15-year-old Adrian. Adrian, too, had been bludgeoned to death and his body had even been doused in petrol, uh, perhaps in an attempt to conceal the crime scene, like maybe the person was going to light him on fire or whatever. It seemed that Adrian was maybe working on a chair in the garage when he was blitz attacked from behind. The detective described the injuries to the family as horrific. There was quite a bit of cast off on the ceiling in the garage, which allowed the police to piece together the order of the murders because they found they found Jennifer's and Sarah's blood in the in the garage as well okay. as Adrian's. So they know that Jennifer was hit first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wayne, the father of the house, was away on work in Sydney. There were a few oddities discovered at the crime scene. Um, first of all, there were sections of carpet removed from Jennifer's room. Next to her side of the bed, at the base of the bed, and near the door, crudely cut out sections. Presumably, there was evidence on the carpet. And it was removed to disguise the identity of whomever had committed the attack. Upon forensic examination of the hallway, it was found that there there was blood that seemed to have been cleaned. The police believed that this was the blood of the offender as the person had tried to clean it. Yeah, exactly. Because why would you bother cleaning up their blood? Yeah. Yeah. Despite the cleanup attempts, the police were able to get 60 odd swabs of blood from the house that they believed belonged to the offender or the offenders. These swabs included the small, oddly shaped spots they found on the wall in Jennifer and Sarah's room. Mm-hmm. So following the discovery of the bodies, one police officer never went back to work. A pathologist said the victims looked like plane crash victims. Mm-hmm. Former homicide investigator Belinda Neal said it was the worst murder in her four-year career and it contributed to her early retirement. Initially, police didn't rule out robbery gone wrong as a motive uh, because there were some items missing from the house. Uh, including a video recorder, but it seemed that any ransacking that had occurred was isolated to just a couple of the rooms. And the items that were taken were really weird, things like calculators and CD games and, like, you know, just random stuff, but more valuable items were left. 
Is it one of those things where they've taken a couple of random things to throw the police off? They reckon it was staged. Yeah. So the um, the police, yeah, the police came to the conclusion that whoever had killed the DeGrucci's had staged the scene to look like a robbery gone yeah, wrong. Yeah, so yeah. they think that the motive was... Robbery, yeah. But, I mean, for such a violent attack, I don't think the police would assume robbery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The forensic examiner concluded in his preliminary determination that this was a rapid attack committed by one offender who used one or two weapons on all victims. The violence was extreme and sustained. The examiner noted the pattern of injuries were similar in each of the deaths. However, there was evidence to suggest that Sarah had raised her arm in defense during the attack because there was a distinctive bruise on her forearm. The examiner determined that this bruise would have been made by a cylindrical object. The same distinctive bruises were also seen on the body of Adrian. Uh, I've seen the forensic examiner's photos and um, they are identical. It's eerie. Like, I I always think, like, how can they tell that something, the same thing has made the the Mm -hmm. injuries? But it's like, it's eerie how similar they are. It's like this, like, pole-shaped um, bruise and he had the defensive wound too no adrian didn't he was he was blitz attacked from behind hit on the head likely it, and that that does make me really really sad hearing about the defensive wound i know because you yeah. want to just think that like they were attacked and they were gone like that yeah, yeah. that they yeah. were like the first hit killed them yeah the fact that or she, like knocked them out at least yeah, yeah that she like even for like <clears throat> a second knew, knew what was she, going on yeah yeah, yeah. So sad. So uh, they determined that perhaps Jenny was murdered with a sledgehammer of some sort. So on the body of Adrian, along with the cylindrical linear bruises, they also noted um, a circular bruise on his chest. Um, The examiners and the police discussed what type of weapon could have caused not only the cylindrical bruises, but also the circular one. And they settled on perhaps a car jack or tire lever or something like that. You know, like it would have the end that would go on the bolt, yeah. but then it would also have a cylindrical, you know, portion of it. Yeah. So the police were like, well, where would a, where would that usually be? It'd be in the car. So they start searching the family cars. There was only one vehicle at the time at the house, Jennifer DeGrucci's car, because Wayne had his, Wayne's the dad, Wayne had his car with him in Sydney and Matthew didn't own a car yet. Um, he often used Jenny's car when he wanted to go anywhere. So in Jenny's car, the police saw that the compartment where the tools would go was ajar. I thought I just said in Jenny's jar. <laughs> My brain is. It's, it's befuddled. Yeah. <laughs> um, upon opening this section, they noted that the car jack was in place, but the brace or car jack handle was missing. They also noted that the spare tyre had never been used, so it was unlikely that the car jack had ever been used, making it unlikely that the car jack handle had just been lost, right? So they sourced a car jack handle that should have been in the car, one that would have matched that car, um, and they matched it to the bruises found on the victim. So they had their, they knew what the murder weapon was. Yeah. The car jack um, handle thing. You know what I'm talking about? It's weird. Used one at the scene. Yeah, like got mm. to the house and then were like, mm, what am I going to use? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose I'll break into the car and mm. like that's weird. It is, yeah. Um, this made Jenny's car a piece of evidence and they examined it further. They found a small carpet fiber on the ground which matched the carpet that was cut out from Jenny's room. So the killer had been in the car, but they still had no suspects. So they appealed to the public and they conduct further investigations. What are your thoughts so far? We're at 22 minutes. Okay. Just the fact that they got the weapon from the house, to me, that doesn't make sense. Okay. Well, 
the police, part of those investigations was to rule out Wayne and Matthew, right? So Wayne DeGrucci, an obvious suspect, the father, he had a pretty good alibi. He was an hour and a half away in Sydney playing golf during the day and staying at his parents' house in the evening. Those who were with him did confirm his movements, and one of those whom Wayne was with was his mistress. Oh, shit, okay. But she confirmed that he was with him. Of course she did. Further, the times of death meant that it would be unlikely that Wayne would have been able to sneak out, head back to his family home, murder them, make it back up to Sydney before anyone noticed. The examiner determined the family's death was somewhere between 8pm on the 12th of March and 1am the following morning. So there was a a relatively narrow window of time when they could have been murdered and noting that they were found 9am the following morning, right? And also, like, if it was the dad and wife because he wanted to be with the mistress. Why would he kill the kids? Why would you kill your children? Yeah. 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 Remember how Adrian had been partially doused in petrol? Yeah. Well, uh, upon examination of the garage, they discovered the jerry can, which was used to pour the petrol. Better yet, while the top of the can had been wiped for any um, prints, the, the underside of the handle hadn't. The person had forgotten. So they they held a small mirror. You can see in this episode of the Forensic Investigators, it's really interesting. That you can just see the person put a small mirror underneath the handle and perfect fingerprints on this wow. jerry can. So they were able to get perfect fingerprints of whoever had been holding that jerry can. Can you guess whose they were? Matthew's. The 18-year-old son, Matthew DeGrucci. But the family cars were often filled using this jerry can. And Matthew was often the one that did it. Yeah. He'd be like, yeah, I used the can yesterday. Or... And he was at his girlfriend's all night, right? If Matthew was innocent, then those 60 blood samples taken from inside the house should rule him out, right? Both Wayne and Matthew gave their DNA willingly to the police. The bloodstains above Jennifer's bed and those taken from down the hall were matched with Matthew DeGrucci, the 18-year-old son. What about his alibi though, right? He's at his girlfriend's all night. His girlfriend confirmed that he was at hers the night of the murders, but he hadn't arrived until about 11. So here's the timeline that the police have so far, okay? Alyssa, Matthew's girlfriend, calls the DeGrucci house at about 8 p.m., okay? I need to do a burp. That did not feel good. (sighs) Deep breaths. (laughs) So Alyssa, Matthew's girlfriend, calls the DeGrucci house at about 8 p.m. Matthew confirms to Alyssa that he's going to be attending her house shortly. By 10 p.m., Matthew still hasn't arrived. That's dodgy in itself, isn't it? Alyssa calls the DeGrucci house again, but the call goes unanswered. So Alyssa goes to bed. She's not sure if Matthew's even coming anymore. You'd be pissed. Yeah, you would be, yeah. Like, I'm, like, I'm waiting. Yeah, you said you were going to come over. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm tired. Fine, I'm just going to go to fucking bed. Yeah. Fuck yeah. But at about 11, Matthew turns up to Alyssa's house. He says he would have been there earlier, but Jennifer, Matthew's mum, had asked him to asked him to stick around a little longer because the DeGrucci home had been receiving a number of prank phone calls. One of which, Matthew says, the voice on the other end of the line said that three members of his family would be killed. Matthew doesn't mention that until now. I rolled my eyes for yeah. anyone. Yep, yeah. Sarah is looking uh, suspicious. Mm. She's got her angry eyes on it, Matthew. Mm. I do. So to confirm both Alyssa and Matthew's stories, the police can just check the telephone records. They can see who's called the house, right? So they grab the records from the night of the murders and they were able to confirm Alyssa's recount, but not Matthew's. Mm -hmm. So the police now believe that Matthew has killed his mother, his sister and his brother. But why? What's the motive, right? Yeah. 
There's um, interviews of Matthew in the police station. You can watch them. Um, Matthew claims that he returned home from Alyssa's around 8.30 a.m. in the morning. He goes in, grabs his wallet, which he'd left at home the night before, um, then goes straight back out to the shops to buy cigarettes. Okay. When he returns to the house, he goes into the kitchen and it was then that he kind of realized that the house was silent and he's like, why isn't anyone up and about? And that's when he goes to his mum's room, sees the state that she's in, runs outside to get neighbour Steve's help. That's his story, right? Didn't he say when he was out the front there's something wrong? Good pickup, mum and Sarah. Mum and Sarah. Good pickup. I'm going to come back to that. Okay. So that brings us back to the start of the timeline, right? Back to the beginning of the story. Now, if you recall, when he went out to the neighbour Steve, he says there's something wrong with mum and Sarah. Yeah. How did he know mm-hmm. there was something wrong with Sarah if he just went into his mum's room? Yep. You fucking liar. Yeah, that was good. That was a good pickup. And you did mention at the beginning of the story, maybe it was someone in the house already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've you've done well this episode. So during interrogation, it was discovered that Matthew regularly used his mum's vehicle and as a result was putting a lot of mileage on it, right? So Jenny and Wayne, the mum and the dad, had agreed that Matthew would use Wayne's work vehicle if he wanted to go anywhere. But that evening, Wayne's car was in Sydney with Wayne. Um, so Matthew would have had to use his mum's car. Matthew was asked if he and his mother ever ever had um, arguments about the use of the car. And in the interview, Matthew's like, well, I wouldn't call them arguments. That sounds like a real perp answer. Yeah. Did, did you guys have a fight? Oh, I wouldn't call, wouldn't it, a call it a fight. fight. Yeah. We had disagreements. Disagreement where I raised my voice and slapped her, but I wouldn't <laughs> call it a fight. What constitutes a fine? Yeah, yeah. Um, But the police had information that the use of the car was a source of argument between the two. So the police now run with the following theory. Matthew gets this call from Alyssa about 8pm asking him to come over, right? Sometime after this, Matthew and his mother get into an argument about the use of her car and she forbids him from using her car that evening. Um, Jenny goes to bed. Matthew's so angry about the use of her car. He goes to get the jack wrench from the car, quite Tell, uh, like you know symbolic yeah he he goes to his mother's room bludgeons her to death um he then kills his siblings so they can't testify that matthew and jenny had argued and had the big fight yeah. yeah yeah um and then he does that rudimentary cleanup job and he goes to Alyssa's around 11 did he take jenny's car yeah remember the carpet fiber that was found in the car yeah well i mentioned before that was matched to jenny's carpet and there was even trace amounts of matthew's blood on it So the police believe that he had bled on the carpet and then he cut it out to hide that evidence. The police believe that Matthew bled from a nosebleed during the attack um, because of the heightened pressure because he had no wounds on him when he arrived at Alyssa's. But they couldn't prove anything yet. They had a lot of evidence, but they, they didn't arrest him yet. Two months after the murders, police still hadn't brought charges against Matthew. But it was at this point that they found more evidence. So some teenagers had found uh, a bag at a quarry dam, which contained a number of items from the DeGrucci household. Initially, police thought it was odd that Matthew was able to list some of the more like benign objects that were missing from the house. Like he, he mentioned a calculator. Yeah, that's said suspicious. A calculator's missing. Like yeah. who the fuck recognises that a calculator yeah. is missing? Mm-hmm. Um, Even like a CD or something. Yeah. You'd, you'd just like a few months later be like, where is that? Yeah. Or you just you just assume that it was like somewhere in the house and you, you'd misplaced it or whatever. So all of these items were found in the bag that he'd listed. Along with those missing items, the bits of carpet were found. 
in this bag. Uh, notable, the dam was in relatively close proximity to Alyssa's house. The police conducted experiments where they retraced the steps that he would that he would have had to take to um, complete all the tasks that night within the time frame, and they were able to do it. And they even the police even did it at different speeds, and like they, the police did do well in this mm-hmm. investigation. Importantly, along with the missing items and the cutout carpet. Uh, another piece of evidence was also found, a torn-up note. Police were able to reconstruct the note, and amongst some other things, the note read, open gate, open blinds, throw things down wall, mum, Sarah, Adrian, knife one, have shower, hit self with pole, cut somewhere with knife. So the police believed that this was a checklist written by Matthew for the for him to make it look like someone else had committed the crime, yeah. um, and he was going to go with the angle of like fighting with an intruder, yeah. but he'd decided against it and gone with the discovery instead. Yeah. Handwriting analysis was done and confirmed that the writing on the note was consistent with Matthew's handwriting. I do kind of loathe to mention that because I know that handwriting analysis is kind of junk science, bunk science. Mm. Bullshit. But it it can like I mean you can say it suggests you yeah, can say sure. it's like consistent. Sure, it yeah. Doesn't prove, but Do- it's consistent. Yeah. With. It, you know, in- interesting to note. Mm. So Matthew DeGrucci was finally arrested and charged with the brutal and callous murder of his mother, his brother, and his sister. I mean, I know he was cheating, and I said some things about him, but <laughs> <laughs> that, that's no, nah, that's really awful. Like your whole family is dead apart from one son who killed who them. Who killed them, yeah. yeah. Um, at the age of 18, Matthew was found guilty and he showed no reaction in court, only maintaining a steely glare towards his feet. He was sentenced to 28 years for each murder, but those would be served concurrently, not consecutively. Uh, to this day, Matthew DeGrucci has still maintained his innocence. So is he out of prison now? So after serving 23 years behind bars for the murder of his mum and his siblings, Matthew DeGrucci, at the age of 41, was granted parole in August 2019. He's since gone to live with his father in Tasmania. Yep, so his father and his father's new family have agreed to help him adjust to life outside of prison. So he's out walking around in the community. He's on parole for the next, like, five years or something, but he's out 41. And that is the DeGrucci family murders. I'm still, I'm still like, not over that. That he's out. That he's out and he's only 41. And after he killing... He can have a full life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he killed three people horribly. He can have his children. His family. He, can, he yeah. killed his fucking family and he's out. Oh, my God. That is un- unbelievable. What a story, right? Yeah. That, that last <laughs> bit's got me fucked up. <laughs> That's kind of the least, the, the like part of the story that's the least, I don't know, <laughs> confronting. <laughs> I have a thing with like, um, like fairness. <laughs> like, that doesn't feel fair. He can meet a nice girl. Well, that's just simply not fair. He can meet a nice girl, have children, have a full amazing life. Yeah. He is like the same age that his mum was when he killed her. Yeah. 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 Ah, uh, yeah. What a story. Um, when I had, when I, this was on the spreadsheet as it was listed as Matthew DeGrucci, but I changed it to the DeGrucci family murders, murder. So you didn't know who the killer was. Mm. Thoughts on that? What yeah. a, what a. Did they ever find out why he threw the, um, on his brother? I think it was to try and conceal 
the crime. Maybe he was going to try and light him on fire and then decided against it. Yeah, I'm not sure. And it wasn't it wasn't listed anyway. Maybe even like a, like the petrol can had fallen over or something during the attack and then he just like used like put, picked it up again or yeah. I'm not sure. Such a minor. Thing. Yeah. Like I yeah. can imagine his mom just being like, "No, you're not using you're not, the car." You spoke tonight. about this. You're not using it. I'm yeah. going to bed. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. he's just uh, gotten uh, like uh, enraged. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seen uh seen red. Just but but then to your punching bag or something. Yeah, or like go out for a walk or Go have sex with your girlfriend. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, and then to put like, it to good use to murder his siblings too. Yeah, exactly. Like he didn't need to do that. He could have. I mean, obviously that didn't need. Yeah, didn't need to do any of it. But yeah, yeah, it's like so unnecessary. Um, and he's he's out. Yeah, he's, he and, was in Tassie when we were in Tassie. Yeah, yeah. we could have walked past we could have walked him. Past he could have him. been camping next to us. Remember how we were like, yeah. one of these people is going to be weird. Could yeah. have been him. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you can look at like you can look at all the crime scene photos and all that kind of shit. It's um, pretty yes. fucked up. Yeah, that poor dad. Yeah, yeah. that poor dad. Yeah, Wayne. But yeah, he's agreed to help Matthew. Good, because yeah, it's just like would. when we talked about the Je- like Jeffrey Dahmer, his yeah. dad. Yeah, like he said, yep. Even after everything. Yeah, I know that it's horrendous, but I still love him. He's still, still my son. son. Yeah, you would if if it was the like if, I don't know if, if Abby was a a bad bad yeah, boy. If if she I don't know if she killed Greg and Patchy, <laughs> I would. Just, just, it's it's only funny because she's a baby. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but like. If she was older and she <laughs> went nuts and killed Greg and Patchy, I would be obviously heartbroken. Yeah. But I would also still love her. Yeah. I'd just it's, be like, it's that like un- unconditional hell. love, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed that, everyone. Mm, mm. I don't know if "enjoyed" is the right word for these stories. Hope you found that interesting, interesting, or or provoking. All right. Well. Um. Oh my god! Do you know what I just realised? Because we're doing this out of order, it's not episode. It is episode nineteen. Oh, because I'm doing episode eighteen next. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> when you tell it, put it. Well, I guess I'll update the spreadsheet as I. It seems to be my job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I do the editing, and that takes the longest time. So. Uh, fine. Shut down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's. Wrap, wrap up. this up yeah um thanks for at? listening what are we at time wise we're at 41 minutes yeah, like review rate subscribe tell your friends listen multiple times to the episodes if you um, are willing and if you've got any feedback um please let us know privately, us. as we've discussed but like yeah, let we, us we've know. got an agreement everyone yeah you email, you email us the feedback we'll take it on board don't do it publicly and don't yell at us don't shame us yeah embarrassing but we do want to know yes please tell us okay uh see you next time bye-bye bye